So we launched this series last week, and uh, we actually had some people here who have just completed a road trip. And two of them, Brandon and Victoria, they just uh, drove across a couple of 20-somethings, footloose, fancy-free, probably didn't even put shoes on the whole time, drive from northern New South Wales over to Perth, unencumbered, just like two California surfers. Life is sweet. And then I met uh, someone here who's just um, come over from Queensland, and uh, Kaylee is her name, and she said, oh man, I get, I get the road trip thing. We've just road tripped over from Queensland. Are oh, we? Yeah, we, yeah, me, my husband, and our seven-year-old, and our four-year-old. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Kaylee, Brandon, or Victoria, I think the winner is Kaylee. And so we are gonna give you a T-shirt for surviving that particular road trip. Welcome to Perth. West Coast is the best coast. You all know that. Last week, we talked about road to victory. And uh, those of you joining us here for the first time, or if you just come back from holidays, wherever, uh, you can catch that on a, our podcast. It's on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitch, all that sort of stuff. Go back and listen to that. And uh, it's really gonna help you get some context. This morning, uh, I wanna talk about road to blessing. Now this word bless or blessing or, or blessed, it's a word that, that whether you're a Jesus follower or not, it's kind of a word that we do use in society, in our modern vocabulary. Um, we, maybe if your family are in, is in the tradition or the habit of saying grace before you eat, uh, before a meal, someone might say, God bless this food to our bodies. Now, uh, just while I was thinking of that during the week, a few years ago, I was listening to a church leader and he was telling how a uh, particular time he had sat down for a meal with a fellow church leader at an all-you-can-eat buffet uh, spread. And they sat down at the table. I went to get their food at the, at the buffet station and came back, sat down at the table. And the, the gentleman across the table said, I'll, I'll, I'll say the blessing. I'll say grace. And so he said, Lord, bless this food to our bodies. And uh, it's fair to say he'd made some reasonably poor choices about what he put on his plate. And uh, the, guy, the guy who's telling the story said, yeah, and I stopped him right there in the middle of his grace. And I said, buddy, the only way God's gonna bless that food to your body is if he reaches down from heaven right now and knocks it off the table. <laughs> How to win friends and influence people. When, when people sneeze, some people say bless you. How many say bless you? How many? Now, just a little bit of uh, trivia in case you missed it. The origins of saying bless you uh, when someone sneezes is that there was a time in history where it was considered that when you sneezed, your spirit left your body. And by saying bless you was a way of shoving the spirit back in. So that's what you're kind of doing, which is why I don't say bless you when someone sneezes. I say just put your goddamn hand over your mouth is what I say. Filthy, disgusting. Some people use uh, the word bless in a thinly veiled insult, ah, oh, bless your heart, which is code word for, you're not terribly bright, are you? So if someone says bless your heart, it's not a compliment, sorry. Or the new one in the rise of social media is hashtag blessed, bought some new shoes, hashtag blessed, got a new car, hashtag blessed. So you'll see that one thrown around a lot. Well, I don't wanna use any of those particular definitions. For the sake of this morning, I wanna define blessed or to be blessed as to have God's divine favor working in your life. Blessed, to have God's divine favor working in your life. Now, just to know who I'm speaking with this morning, 
How many people are up for a little bit of that in 2019? How many of you would say, yeah, I'm up for a bit of, well, maybe a lot of actually God's divine favour working in my life. You know, I read that and I say, even if you don't think God's real, if He was real and He did that, that sounds pretty cool to me. Have God's divine favour working in your life. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're already blessed. You're blessed with forgiveness. And as a result of being blessed with forgiveness, you're blessed with a relationship with God. So we're not actually coming at this message this morning from a standing start. We've actually got a leg up already. However, it is possible for us to position ourselves for even more blessing in our life, even more of God's divine favour working in your life. So even no matter how good it's already got for you, there's even more blessing up the road as you take a road trip with Jesus. Now, I wanna airdrop us into a, a conversation Jesus had. If you've got our app, you can tap the bottom left tile. It's the Bible tile. It's gonna take you to John chapter three. Now, John was one of Jesus' earliest followers. He was one of J Jesus' handpicked 12 followers. I like to call them Jesus' 12 merry men. And uh, John was one of them. He's actually the youngest one. And so John actually had a front row seat to a road trip with Jesus over the three and a half years that Jesus was, uh, had gathered these men around him. And uh, he, he went, went on to record some of those key moments of Jesus' life. And one of them is a conversation that Jesus had with a religious leader of the day. And this is how John recorded this conversation. He said, there was a man of the Pharisee sect, Nicodemus, a prominent leader among the Jews. And late one night, Nicodemus visited Jesus and said, Rabbi, we know, we all know you're a teacher straight from God because nobody could do all the God pointing, God revealing acts you do if God weren't in on it. So Nicodemus recognised something in Jesus, but there's a couple of things I want you to understand. It's no coincidence that John made the point that Nicodemus came to Jesus late one night. See, Nicodemus was like a leader among leaders in the Jewish community. In fact, to think about the status that Nicodemus had, you, you have to think of, he, was, he would have been both um, a, a, a political leader as well as an academic leader and as well as what we might say in today's terminology, a church leader. He had those three hats and they were big hats. He was a big deal. And Jesus was a little bit, Marginal. Jesus was a little bit fringy for these religious leaders. And so Nicodemus, even though he recognised that God was doing stuff through Jesus, he knew that his reputation would come under fire if he was seen approaching Jesus. So he came in under the cover of darkness. But it's likely at this point, and this is very early in Jesus' life, public life, it's very likely that Nicodemus would have been the most impressive person that Jesus had met up to that time and had a personal interaction with. And one of the things that strikes me about that is despite Nicodemus' status, despite his learning, despite his qualifications, despite his credentials, he was actually willing to approach Jesus knowing that there was, there was something about Jesus that suggested that even though Nicodemus had come as far as he'd come, that there was even more of God for him to experience. And there's a big takeaway there for us is that blessing is on the far side of us staying hungry. 
that if we've got a hunger for more of God, for more of God's divine favor, for more of God's presence, God's actually ready and waiting to give that to us, but we've got to stay hungry. Now, I follow the NFL and uh, Super Bowl's just about upon us. So when NFL finishes, it's a sign to me that AFL is about to commence. Last year, uh, the Brownlow Medal in the AFL was awarded to Hawthorne's Tom Mitchell. Now, I'm not gonna get into an arm wrestle about Hawthorne and whether they're from the devil or anything like that, but um, who won the premiership is all I like to say. But anyway, Tom Mitchell, he won the Brownlow Medal. The Brownlow Medal is the, is the most prestigious individual honor across all of the AFL. And uh, here's the thing. If you're a Hawthorne supporter or if you're one of the Hawthorne's coaching staff, you're gonna right now be hoping that Tom Mitchell is in the gym lifting, that Tom Mitchell is running the laps, doing the, the, the sprints and the beep tests, that he, you're, you're hoping that he's doing that. You're, you're hoping that he's not sitting poolside in Honolulu with those drinks with the little umbrellas coming out. You're hoping as a Hawthorne supporter that despite Tom Mitchell having achieved the highest individual honour in 2018 for an AFL footballer, that he's actually gonna stay just as hungry or even more hungry in 2019 than he was in 2018. Because even though he's achieved the highest accolades, you'd like to think as a Hawthorne supporter, there's always more. So Tom Mitchell, we hope, well, I don't, Hawthorne fans hope, that he's doing in the off season what's required to be ready in season. And that's a little thing called preparation, but in, in order to commit to preparation, it requires us to stay hungry, not comfortable. And the challenge that we have in January 2019, and the question that I'd like to recommend you ask is, are you hungry in 2019? for more of God's divine favor working in your life, or, or are you just gonna copy and paste 2018 because it wasn't bad, it was okay. When there's actually more of God, more of God's blessing, more of God, or are you just gonna copy? It's a question that we have to answer for ourselves. Now, some Sunday afternoons when I'm decompressing, my adrenaline levels are kind of re-regulating after being here Sunday morning, um, Someone texts me occasionally. It's really nice. Encouraging too, by the way, not And uh, it's good. If you're gonna go, text someone else. <laughs> and uh, two weeks ago, uh, Tanya Watson, who's one of our teaching team, who, by the way, is gonna be preaching in, in about three weeks' time, uh, texted me a message, uh, and it said, your preaching just gets better and better. And I texted back, and I said, well, that's what I call a compliment. So memorize that and send it to me this afternoon. It'd be great. <laughs> It won't sound sincere. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, I've actually been preaching here most Sundays for over eight years. Uh, before this, I was a part of the teaching team at Riverview Church, which is just down the road, Perth's uh, largest church. I also preached in many countries around the world. And it would be easy and even tempting for me just to kick it into autopilot and just to kind of cruise. Like, yeah, I know how to do this. I know how to shape an introduction. I know I've been doing it. And I know how to insert a funny joke. And I know how to tell a story. I could just copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. And probably, 
probably some of you wouldn't notice. You think, well, it's not bad. Heard worse. <laughs> but that's not the goal. That's not my goal. And I'm not telling you this to pump my own tires up. I'm, I'm, but I'm saying I was thrilled to get that feedback because I'm committed to increasing my capacity. Because here's the thing, as a senior leader here at Elevate, everything does not rely on me. We have incredible team members who do a lot of heavy lifting, and in fact, many of them doing things at a world-class level, despite our current relatively small size, although we keep having to put more chairs out, which is a great problem to have. Um, but there's something about my role that I can actually become the lid to the capacity of the church and, and I don't ever want to be that. And so I'm committed to expanding my capacity and that takes work, that takes a grind, that takes commitment to learn more skills and not just as a preacher, but also as a leader. And I would say that to you, that are you preparing for someone to say to you, you know what, you just keep getting better and better at whatever it is that God's called you to do. You just keep getting better and better at being a dad. You keep getting better and better at being a mom. You keep getting better and better at your job. You keep getting better and better when you're singing up here. You keep getting, be you keep, keep, keep getting better and better. And you go, well, that's what I call a compliment. That can happen for you, but it's not gonna happen if you kick it into autopilot. It's not gonna happen if you just copy and paste what you've always done, even if it's familiar and comfortable because God doesn't just want to bless your last year, God wants to position you and you to position yourself for Him to give you more blessing in 2019. They're waiting for you, but we need to make sure we're doing the preparation. And this is especially challenging for those of you that had a pretty rock solid 2018. If you've actually come out of a pretty great 2018 and 2019 is off to a pretty good start, you've got a good job, uh, relationships are going well, Finances are in order, no, no debt, you know, just maybe paying your mortgage, which is fine. Uh, health is good. Um, you know, you say, yeah, you know what? 13th of January, 2019, hashtag blessed. That's me. If that's you, you're probably at the greatest risk of not preparing yourself. Because why change it? Well, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Man, you know what? I say, if it's not broken, flip and break it and put it back better than when you found it. So, so I, you know, if you're hashtag blessed, I say, that's fantastic. But understand that you need to stay hungry, not stay comfortable in order to see God's blessing in your life to position yourself for more. 2018 was pretty good. Hashtag blessed, 2018. My Instagram top nine, boy, all good stuff. Found out how to choose. Thanks, thankfully, there was an app for that. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Jeez. But here's what I've observed. Blessed people do consistently what other people only do occasionally. You don't position yourself for more of God's blessing by doing one lot of preparation, one item of prep. Blessed people do consistently what other people, not bad people, just less blessed people do occasionally. Now, I'm not, okay, here's the thing. Listen, listen to this. Everyone listening? 
I am not, listen to this, I mean, probably need to write this down. It's going to be on the podcast. If anyone calls me out, I say, no, it's on the podcast. It's on the record. I am not saying that you or I can cause more blessing, okay? Because if that was the case, then we'd actually take the credit. It's actually God that brings the blessing. He brings the blessing, so he gets the credit. Having said that, God's not wasteful. So if God's got more of his divine favour to go around, wouldn't it make sense that he's gonna give it to the people who are ready to take it and use it for his purposes and his glory? And that's where we come in, that we can actually prepare ourselves. We can actually position ourselves to allow God to ultimately bring more blessing into our lives. Now, while some of your friends are scrolling mindlessly through Instagram or uh, binge watching Netflix, here's what you can be doing. You can be getting an edge. It's not a competition, but you know, occasional humble brags, okay? You can be preparing for more blessing. Do any, do any of you recognize this, what this is? What, what, now, forget brand, I'm not gonna get started on that again, though it's one of my pet subjects. Uh, does anyone recognize what this is? What, what, do, we, what do we call this? I've got a name for that, a smartphone, a phone. You know, listen to me. This, you've been tricked if you just said phone. This is not a phone. Yeah, sure, it makes calls, allegedly. I'm an introvert, I never call people. Uh, I'm a text message. This is not a phone, it makes phone calls. No, you know what this is? You know, this is a portable online university. I mean, our podcasts are just the beginning. Of course, I tell people, turn your smartphone into a mark phone and I'm go I can go with you anywhere you like. Creepy as that sounds. But thanks to the miraculous platform called Podcasts, you have in your possession, those of you that have a, a, a allegedly phone, you have in your possession a portable online university. You can get onto your favorite podcast platform and you can actually dig into for free. There's some trashy podcasts out there, I get that, but there's some gold, some gold out there. So when you're out taking your walk or doing your workout, or maybe you know prepping in your kitchen, commuting, whatever it is, you can actually be tapping into a free, via this, free, portable, online university. And you can tap into subjects like leadership. You can tap into subjects that are in your field of expertise in your workplace. You can tap into subjects around parenting. You can listen to Christian podcasts that are gonna help inspire you and teach you beyond just the 30 minutes that you get here on a Sunday to become a more effective follower of Jesus. You know what? It's with you. You don't have to turn up anywhere. You don't have to find parking. You don't have to pay for parking. Amen. Stupid UWA, which I went to, but anyway. Pay for parking, jeez, when did that become a thing? Free, portable, online university that you can use to increase your capacity and in doing so, position yourself for more of God's divine favor working in your life 
in 2019. You know, uh, I was talking to one of our guys this morning, George. George has got a Bible. Now, that's probably not a big, you know, mic drop moment that someone turns up to a church and actually has a Bible. But actually, I think George is actually the only person here that actually has a physical paper Bible. It's like paper. It's like you can like see it. I'm like, wow, that should be in a museum, dude. And, it, and it, like, I mean, he literally could be what we used to call a Bible basher because he physically has one that he could clock you over the head. There it is. Whoa, no, put it down, George. Whoa, Sus, whoa, Sus, man, you're gonna, you're gonna dislocate your shoulder holding that thing up. George, and, 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 he go, and then he does this little humble brag. He starts just sort of showing me all the pages inside that have got notes and highlighted and they're dog-eared and they've got coffee stains on it. And I'm like, nobody likes to show off, George. Put it away, please. But even if you're, you don't want to be like George, you can actually get a free Bible on your portable online university in any language, pretty much. It's an app called the Bible app. No cryptic naming protocol in that one. Uh, what should I search for? Uh, Bible and there's plans in there, reading plans, devotionals, stuff on various subjects. What I, it's what I use, I personally use, and I know a lot of you do. They're reading plans to actually give some more, uh, put a bit more meat on the bones and, and, and unpack the Scriptures even more. And you can, you can therefore, you can read your Bible in places where you, where you want people to think you're scrolling through Instagram because you know that, having a Bible like George's on the train makes you look uncool. You, you can just do it on your phone and get all the same benefits. You know the Bible app, George? You know the Bible app? You can even highlight that. So, right back at you, George. Late one night, Nicodemus visited Jesus and said, Rabbi, we all know you're a teacher straight from God. No one could do all the God-pointing, God-revealing acts you do if God weren't on it. Now, Bible experts say that the reason, one of the reasons that Nicodemus went to Jesus is Nicodemus had all this credibility, had all the credentials, had the platform, was well known, and, and he really liked what Jesus was doing. And the Bible, these big brain Bible people say that they think that Nicodemus, one of his motivations for going to Jesus was to lend Jesus a bit of a hand, lend his credibility to give Jesus a bit more. We like what you're doing. We think it's a little bit undervalued, underrated. So how about I use some of my what I bring and, and give you a little bit of a leg up so more people can experience it. I wanna give you a little bit of a hand, Jesus. Jesus said, well, you're absolutely right about the God stuff. In fact, take it from me. Unless a person is born from above, it's not possible to see what I'm pointing to, God's kingdom. Now, in case you missed it, if you've been orbiting around church world for some portion of your history, this very statement that Jesus made here, this response, this is where we get the term born again Christian. Have you ever heard the term born again Christian? It's actually from this, this metaphor that Jesus is actually saying to Nicodemus. Now here's the thing. Here at Elevate, we don't use the expression born again Christian. And the reason is because according to Jesus, there's no other version there aren't born-again Christians and other types of Christians. 
Jesus is actually saying, Nicodemus, there's only one type. There's only one way. There's only one way to experience a relationship with God and be, be brought into the kingdom of God. And that's actually by being born again. So if you say you're a Christian, it's implied that you're born again. You don't become a Christian because your parents were Christians. You don't become a Christian because you tick that box on the census every few years. Yeah, I'm a Christian. You don't, get, uh, you don't become a Christian because you got sprinkled by the priest when you were a baby. That, Jesus says there's only one way. You don't even get to become a Christian because you're part of a church. I mean, Jesus encouraged us to be the church, but He says there's only one way. Nicodemus, your credentials aren't gonna do it. Your platform's not gonna do it. There's only one way that you can have a relationship with God and that's by being born from above born again. And this would have been shocking to Nicodemus because he thought he already had access to the kingdom of God by his natural birth as a Jewish man. And he would have thought he even had a little bit more going for him because of all of his credentials. And Jesus said, you know what? You don't have, we don't actually bring anything to this. We just bring ourselves. Come as you are and experience the miracle that is this new birth. Well, Nicodemus, by the way, this is one of the most fairest responses I think anyone could have come up with. Nicodemus, how can anyone? This is fair enough, right? How can anyone, said Nicodemus, be born who's already been born and grown up? Fair enough. You can't re-enter your mother's womb and be born again. Things are getting a little awkward right here. What are you saying with this born from above talk? When Jesus said, you're not listening. <laughs> Don't use that line on your spouse, by the way. You're not listening. You can either be happy or you can be right. That's my marriage advice for today, all right? Understand this. Man, I'm talking to you. You know, listen, let me say it again. Unless a person submits to this original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into a new life, it's not possible. This is absolute language that Jesus is using to enter God's kingdom. When you look at a baby, it's just, that, a body you can look at and touch, but the person who takes shape within is formed by something you can't see and touch, the spirit, and becomes a living spirit. So don't be surprised when I tell you that you have to be born from above, out of this world, so to speak. I think that's Jesus' attempt at a dad joke, by the way. It's not very good. So first of all, the takeaway is to stay hungry, but now there's a takeaway, stay humble. That actually, Jesus uses this metaphor of birthing, and it gets a bit creepy and a bit gross and a bit weird. But, but why did he choose that? You know, like I thought of it, why didn't he choose the metaphor restoration? Unless someone gets restored. I mean, I, look, I'm a, I'm a big Nine Life fan. I like me a bit of flip or flop. I don't mind some fixer-upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines and their shiplap, whatever that is. I like it. I like these restoration shows. But, but, but see, the thing about a restoration project, and, and I think the reason Jesus didn't use the metaphor restoration is, is that talks about putting you back to your old self. Jesus uses the metaphor birthing, one reason, because He's talking about actually giving you a brand new self, a brand new life, that you become a brand new creation. And I don't think that's the only reason He used the metaphor birthing. I probably don't need to mansplain this to you, but I will anyway. There's a few players in the birthing process, like in that moment. There's, there's the mum, Obs. There's sometimes the dad, if he's got the guts to 
look. Uh, there's the medical staff, and then there's the baby. And, and the interesting thing about those four players is the one that brings the least to this particular moment in time is the baby. They just kind of show up. And, and not just show up, they show up messy. They, they show up, and they, they, like, not only did I not bring anything to this thing, I'm actually messy. I need cleaning up. And, and, and you know what the doctors don't do? They don't just kind of handball that kid, oh, messy, we don't keep the messy ones. We don't accept the messy ones. Messy ones, no. No. They say, this is how it's meant to be. You're a baby. You're meant to just be able to come into this world just as you are with absolutely nothing to offer in that moment apart from your mess. And that's exactly what Jesus says when he uses this metaphor about birthing, that we can actually come to Jesus. With no, he doesn't need a leg up from us. We're not gonna get into a relationship with God because of our credentials, our experience, our degrees. We just bring ourselves and our mess and present ourselves to Jesus. And in that moment, when we do that, he says, you are born again, and you enter into God's kingdom. Now, there's a line in this, and I highlighted it. He also talks about a baptism into a new life, and I wanna encourage those of you who've said yes to following Jesus, but have not yet been baptized, we would love to baptize you this year. I would love to, I, I wanna encourage you to think about that as being a next step you can take this year, as soon as you're ready, more or less. Um, and, and, and that baptism doesn't get you more born again, but it's, it's very much about a public declaration, a public celebration of the decision that you've made to follow Jesus. So think about that. And if that's your thing, then you can pick up your online portable university, open up our app, tap the next step, tap baptism, and the team will follow up with you. Now in this same conversation, Jesus went on to say to Nicodemus, what's actually become People think the most famous uh, thing that's ever been written in the Bible. And it, it's, we call it John 3.16. And John 3.16, there's a couple of versions. The message, this is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son. He gave His Son. His one and only Son. And this is why that no one needs to be destroyed by believing in Him. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Or in another version, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is, this is what, see, if Jesus just shot blocked Nicodemus and said, buddy, everything that you've done and everything that you bring, that's not gonna get you into a relationship with God and left it there, that would be cruel. That wouldn't be love. Jesus says, no, no, there's only one way, but get this, my father actually took the initiative and he made the way. He made it possible. He sent his one and only son. And by the way, in case you didn't notice, that's me. Uh, you're looking at him. You're in his house. And because he's done that, he's actually offered that up to you. Now, John writes a few more lines about their conversation and then he just stops and he starts a new topic. And so in that moment, we don't know how much of what Jesus said to Nicodemus actually got through. We don't know this man, this religious leader who, who'd come in the night looking for more of God, but not really wanting people to, 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 
We don't know what happened in that, in that moment. But here's the beautiful thing. John kept writing and he kept writing and he kept writing. And, and we see later on, it's chapter nine, if you want to skip ahead during the week and look that up for yourself. There was a moment in Jesus' life where uh, the, the Pharisees, the, the Nicodemus and his, and his colleagues, Jesus was becoming a threat to them. He was getting super popular. He was actually outdoing them. He was outgoding them. And that was a problem for them. And so they were looking for ways to arrest Jesus. They wanted the police to arrest Jesus. And, 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 and there's only two things that stopped it. One was the people saying, what do you want to arrest him for? He's doing great God things. The other thing that stopped the police uh, arresting Jesus in that moment was Nicodemus, the man who would come in the night so he wouldn't be seen by his colleagues. He stood up in front of his colleagues and defended Jesus. And because of that, Jesus was not arrested. And in that moment, his life was spared. Seems that what Jesus said to Nicodemus in that interaction got some traction with Nicodemus. But here's the thing. John kept writing. Jesus' road trip, front row seat notes, and gets to the end. Gets to the end where Jesus had been hung on a cross and had died a very slow, agonizing, painful, gruesome death and was left, just left in that, in that moment on the cross. Two men came who seemingly had something special with Jesus. One was a man named Joseph and the other one, John writes, was Nicodemus, and he says, the one who had previously visited Jesus at nighttime. Now, in the full daylight, Joseph and Nicodemus actually were the ones that took Jesus' body down from the cross, and Nicodemus had actually prepared himself by bringing spices and cloth so they could embalm the body of Jesus and then take it to the tomb. This was Nicodemus. And I wanna to say to those of you this morning who have not yet put your faith in Jesus that I want you to be encouraged by Nicodemus. That Nicodemus had a lot to lose, but Jesus went on to explain to him, no, you've got everything to gain. You've got the kingdom of God to gain. If you've not yet made a decision to put your faith in Jesus as Nicodemus ultimately did, then then. You can do nothing better to position yourself for more of God's divine favor working in your life in 2019. You can do nothing better than to say, Jesus, I wanna put my faith in you. I wanna put my trust in you. I wanna start following you. And Jesus says, in that moment, in that moment, I can forgive your sins. You will become born again and you'll commence a relationship with God, which is the number one, number one blessing that any of us could ever experience. So I wanna do that right now. I wanna give you an opportunity. If you've never actually put your faith in Jesus, put your trust in Him, then here today, Sunday, 13th of January, early 2019, how about you make that decision this morning? And for those of you that wanna make that decision and are ready to make that decision, all I want you to do is just put your hand up and you, I'll see your hand and you can put it down. We had two people, 
three people, sorry, respond last week. Who of you needs to do that this morning, to say this day, I'll put my faith in Jesus. Just put your hand up and I'll see your hand. You can put it down. We don't wanna miss anybody and this is the most important thing we do. Good on you. Amazing. Who else? We don't wanna miss anybody and I don't want you to miss this opportunity. Great, how about you pray with me? I'm just gonna lead us in a short prayer. I'll say a line, you say a line, especially the person that lifted their hand. But let's all say this together. Let's go all in on this. You ready? Dear Jesus, Today I decide to put my trust in you. I ask you to forgive me and I thank you that you give me a brand new start. That today I am born from above. That today I begin a relationship with you that God made possible by sending you his one and only son for this ultimate blessing. And I commit from this day to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's celebrate that this morning, church. Fantastic.